What is up, everybody? It is your boy, Michael Harris, joined as always with Lincoln Cook. Welcome to the left-hand backhand. How's it going, Lincoln? What up, lefties? Uh, we're, we're doing good. Another week down, less than a month and a half away till yep. USAMs. Yep. And heck, man, we've got a lot to recap this week. Yeah, we had a, an exciting week in disc golf. Um, so a lot of things went down. It turned out to be kind of anticlimactic. We'll we'll talk about that later. Um, but we can we can do our little recap of the uh, Champions Cup that just went down in Georgia. Yeah. So going through our items today, we'll go over Champions Cup results, thoughts on the course, thoughts on tournament overall. Yep. We'll do some prep and looking forward to Jonesboro coming up this weekend. So mm-hmm. that's going to be our disc golf news and notes. We'll jump into a dealer's choice. We will jump into the last segment of my in the bag. We'll go through fairways and control drivers. And then we'll finish it up with a little bit of uh, what we're working on. Two minute drill. Yep. Sounds good. Um, before we get started, just making sure all you people who are listening on uh, your podcasts, feel free to join us on YouTube. We are two middle-aged white dudes who look... We're not middle-aged. We <laughs> are not good looking, but come join us so you can see and you can actually see what we are talking about on our screen. So we'll do our best job to um, be telling you the story through our words as opposed to visually on youtube so check out our youtube channel at uh, left hand backhand so subscribe follow us share with your friends have them follow just get all get all y'all lefties on board and no we're not middle-aged white men we are early 30s but slash i'm not quite 30 average height and weight white dudes but we love disc golf and we're going to talk about it some more yes so Champions Cup, the we'll start with the what do you want to start with? MPO or FPO? Let's go FPO. Cool. Because it's a shorter story. Uh it's it's a little the, bit. It's the one title, the one pony, Kristen Tatar shot the hot round four rounds in a row. That she obliterated the entire field every round. Yeah. yeah. Um Anytime you do that, you know you're playing well. She was by and far the most consistent, the most poised, the best putter, the like forehand, I mean, backhand, everything was yes. on point. It it was kind of a little bit of a, re- a redemption tour for her. I think she came out on a mission, and she not only accomplished that, but she kind of knocked it out of the park um only one bogey on her yep. four rounds yep and that bogey was the end of a 71 whole bogey free streak Dang. going back to last week's uh blue ridge championship when's the last time you went 71 straight holes without a bogey uh if i played john roberts <laughs> 71 times in a row that would maybe be it but no chip yeah, and put, chip just and putt course <laughs> on some of the most difficult courses out there she just yeah. slayed so round one she went minus nine round two minus seven round three minus eight and then round four she didn't care she already had it in the bag she finished minus three yep she had a total of minus 27 which is a 14 stroke lead over second place. Yep. So recapping the top five, Kristen Tatar in first at tw- minus 27. Owen Scoggins coming in at second at minus 13. Kat Merch coming in at third at minus 11. Also tied with Katrina Allen and Haley King for third at minus 11. Mm-hmm. And then Holland Hanley at minus eight for sixth. So we had a three-way tie for third. And then yeah, Kristen at the top. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to bring up about that? I mean, it just, it was her show, Kristen's show. She showed that she is the, 
the one to beat. Um, and it, it, as a viewer watching this, it was, it was kind of exciting to see how far she would separate herself from the rest of the field. Um, I, I go back to the European Open last year with Eagle and Paul. Yeah. Luck, luckily, they were there to battle each other. Um, but you just see that pure domination and you just want to like, I was on the edge of my seat just like, how far is she going to take this? Like, how much is she actually going to win by? Um, yeah. Which is just like, wild. Which if, if she would have pushed on round four, she would have easily been better than minus 30. Yeah. She just didn't care. She was just like, she didn't have to. She was like, all right, all I got to do is come out here and get pars. Okay. Yeah. It's boring. Let's yeah. just move on. I, I will say that we don't know what the status of Valerie Mendahano is. Where she fits in. Correct. Yeah. In my mind, she's, kind of clearly the second best player and she hasn't even played this year. Yeah. But how close is she to Kristen? And yeah. that's a, I would love to see a little bit more, uh, not parody because when there is parody, it's because Kristen didn't have a good round. Yeah. I want to see other FPL players push Kristen yeah. and get up into her level. But yeah. right now nobody else has her control, her consistency, her putting, her forehand, her backhand. She's a, she. Is by far and away the most. Yeah, yeah. It it'll be interesting to see how kind of the next few tournaments go for her and kind of what her like how she plays compared to everyone else. Um, because mm -hmm. it might be a pretty bleak season if she keeps playing like this and no one else kind of elevates to push her. Um to improve so and i right. i know this was a this was a kind of a right. different tournament of four rounds just allows her to broaden that gap even more so the three round tournaments keep it a little bit closer um and more excitement but yeah it was just an overall and great, that, that's where great performance. we've talked about this probably the last four weeks of tournament recap where we're like you know three rounds anybody still could have won it but four rounds would really separate out the winner and in this case, it clearly did. For uh, almost, almost to the point where I'm like... MPO. Exactly. And it's a good transition for us to go over MPO recap, but it almost makes me wonder if FPO should just be three rounds and MPO should be four, just for the sake of, of parity in the field. But yeah, yeah. switching to MPO and Isaac Robinson. Absolute. What a guy. Yeah. Yep. How old is he? He's he's got to be like 22. Something in that range just yeah. one of those young prodigy guys, you know. Young dude, amazing putter, amazing backhand control. Pretty much only backhand. He didn't throw any forehands off the tee, I don't think. Nope. Nope. Just threw buttery backhands, hyzer flip turning, panning flat, just absolute command of his discs in the fairways he needed to hit the gaps he needed to hit just absolute control and then capitalized with his putting mm -hmm. it was truly wire to wire he he won it wire to wire and it was truly just impressive for someone who's never been on this stage in a major before yeah for sure so yeah, we had isaac Finishing first place with 40, uh, 40 down. Eagle at minus 35, tied with Nicholas Antila at second with 35. Silas Schultz at 34 down. Maddie O and Mason Ford tied for fifth at negative 30. Um, we had a four way tie for seventh at negative 28 with Aiden Scott, Chris Clemens, fellow lefty, Ganon Burr, and Vino Makila. And then Chris Dickerson, James Conrad, um, one stroke behind it, negative 27. Who's Aiden Scott? 1018 rated. Good for I him. Can't tell you I've heard of him. I mean, that that's that's one of the points I wanted to 
agreeing up with this this result, these top these top ten is there is only two or three like if we went into the beginning of this of the week, well first off, you picked Isaac Robinson to win. Yeah, I did. So, Do we want to go over a quick recap of, of our picks? Sure. Yeah, let's go over our picks and then we can do talking points. Yeah, so uh, it was a close one between us. I took Kyle Klein, Chris Dickerson, Isaac Robinson, and Alden Harris, and Calvin Heinberg. Uh, and my worst was Alden Harris at my or at 27th place. Yep. Uh, and of course, I picked Isaac, who won it. And then you picked Simon, Gannon, Anthony, James Proctor, James Conrad. Uh, Simon and Anthony tied at 13th, James Conrad at 11th. Gannon Burt seventh, so great picks, and then James Proctor just kind of let you down a little bit at thirty six yeah. plays. Yeah, not his week. He had a he had a good. Not not really his course though either. Yeah, it it's a it's a weird course that I won't I don't want to say fits a very specific game or like play style, but it kind of it kind of does. It kind of does. Um, it, it in fact it it absolutely does. And that's part of my dealer's choice, which we'll jump into here in a little bit. But the course itself, I love. Yeah. But it does lean specifically to a type of player. Yeah. Instead of having every shot in your game. Exactly. Challenging players. As a major, I feel like it. if, if, if you have a good backhand and you can putt, Obviously, if you have a good backhand and can putt, you're going to compete every week. <laughs> exactly. But being able to hit different lines, different shots, um, being tested on the full repertoire of your your game instead mm-hmm. of being able to hyzer flip down a narrow pathway, like narrow fairway, and then hitting putts um, without any kind of danger or repercussions for missing your lines yeah. or attacking the baskets is um I mean it's it's a great course. I do like it. I do it's not easy. I think the conditions and how good these players are getting made it look easy. Um for sure. And great conditions all week. Perfect weather, no yeah. real wind, no Weather elements, no rain, nothing. No, yeah. So it, it was perfect it was players, great, it was, conditions, it was great golf for sure. So, uh, anything else we want to touch on with Champions Cup? Should we, move to, should we move to Jonesboro? We can move to Jonesboro. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I guess overall, just how did you um, did you enjoy watching the Champions Cup? Like, what were your your afterthoughts of the tournament so we can wrap it up truly i was mostly just like so proud of isaac like the way that he played was just impressive like i was just after the first two rounds of watching him do what he did i just expected it rounds three and four Mm -hmm. and so it became like i expected him to throw a perfect shot through a small gap have it turn properly and land in the center of the fairway and then he did it was like he met expectations for the way that he played the first two rounds and he kept it consistent. And that was just super impressive. And there were lots of players pushing him in the first few rounds, but then in the final round, he kind of just put it on cruise control and then realized, Oh shoot, somebody's kind of catching up to me. Okay. Let me just go birdie, birdie, birdie down three of the hardest holes on the course in 14, 15 and 16. Yeah. And just put it away at that point. Yeah. Which is like, it shows you that dude, the same as Kristen, only shooting three down that final round. Yeah. Like, he just said he had control. Yeah. Full control. Um, I think we've been kind of spoiled to start this season of very tight leaderboards and playing till the last hole. Um, I don't want to say it was a breath of fresh air to have two players just pull away like they did but it was, it was cool to see it was very cool to, to see um sometimes yeah you just after the first round you're like oh wow that's awesome like isaac up top 
Mm -hmm. Second round, you're like, wow, he put it together again. And so you start like building that you're rooting for him um, instead of kind of hoping he chokes at the end and trips and fumbles. Um, So yeah, it was, it was very exciting for him to get his, his first major under his belt. Yeah. I mean, the dude's got a bright career ahead of him and it's cool that he's from Georgia. So it was kind of a hometown tournament for him. Yeah. His sponsors in Georgia. Yeah. It it was a pretty cool bow to a nice story for this tournament. For sure. Cool. So all right, that's And that's a nice up. bow on our discussion of the Champions Cup. So, so let's yep. jump to Jonesboro. Yeah, wrap that one up. Yeah. Um, Jonesboro coming up this weekend, the week after a a major. A lot of players are out there going to be competing in this. So Jonesboro, Arkansas. Yep. Um, if you want to pull up who we picked, and we can kind of just go over our picks and why we we chose them for the event. Yeah. So again, we, we kind of switched up our format to what we were doing previously, but any player that was picked the tournament prior, we are not allowed to pick in this tournament. So yes. Kyle Klein, Chris Dixon, Simon Lazat, Kevin Jones, none of them are available to be picked for this week. Yep. So we drafted back and forth off air to make it a little bit quicker for you podcast audience. Also, all the dead space and the ums and the butts and the eh and the I'm not sure. Save you all from that headache. Yep. We did, we did our picks off air. So I went with Anthony Barella, Drew Gibson, Ezra Aderhold, Adam Hammes, and Ben Calloway with my wildcard pick of Nick Hansen and wanna, Michael wanna, Ewins. Want to explain to them what our wildcard pick is or how we have decided to do it? Yeah, sorry. Uh, so we have five players in MPO that we're picking, and those points are we just take whatever place they finished and we're comparing those points, and whoever had the better finishing place gets five points towards our end of season rankings. And then we have a wild card pick, and that wild card player has to be under 10 15 rated playing in the tournament that we are choosing. And we're comparing those players one to one for an extra point towards our tournament. And then our FPO picks, uh, same format, but we just have three FPO that we're picking. And we're getting three points for winning FPO picks. Perfect. So you want to go through your picks for MPO? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I picked Eagle, Joel Freeman, Nicholas Antela, Aaron Gossage, and Cole Ridalin. Um, and then my bonus pick was Tristan Tanner. Colorado boy. Yeah. I, all three of my six you picks. Have three are, col- no, four Colorado boys. Aaron is, Aaron Gossage is. From Colorado, too, isn't he? Eagle, Joel, Aaron, and Tristan. That's pretty sick. Hey, I'll trade you Nicholas Antela for... um, <laughs> Who do you have? Yeah, I don't Nick, remember from Colorado. For Nick, for Nick Hansen. <laughs> He's from uh, South Dakota. But he does he live in, in Colorado? He does, yeah. Yeah. I got a lesson with him once. Did you really? Yeah, it was fun. Huh. Yeah, I just have heard of his name in our local scene here mm-hmm. in some, like, A-tiers and yeah. saw his name on our list and was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Nick Hansen. And yeah. he qualified today for the tournament shooting a eight down. So that's, that's right. Right in that train. That's his third time qualifying for a pro tour event on the uh, play in day. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. He did it. Um, at music city open. And I think at Austin, I'm not entirely sure I can go, we can go back and check, but. Thanks. Yeah, Impressive. good on him. All right, FPO picks. You want to go ahead? Yeah. Um, so we couldn't pick the uh, the top dogs, so we got to see some new faces. Um, I went with Ella Hansen, Rebecca Cox, and Caroline Henderson. I think Newcomer she, to the tour. Yeah, I think she was there all week with um, Kevin Jones, hopefully getting some words of wisdom and good practice in. So don't yeah. let me down. I mean, she's kind of excited. She's like the new exciting player on tour. So we'll see yep. how she does. Yeah. And then I went with Haley King, Kat Merch, and Sarah Hokum. 
as Haley King is a bomber and Kat Merch throws it pretty far herself. So yeah, I'm this com- this course plays. Good week. Yeah, no, both of them. All three. Uh, this... All three did well. That's true. Yeah. Your picks, not as much. Ella had no. top 10, but... Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, Jonesboro should be sweet. Yeah. Uh, it's a... S- somewhat of a bomber course. It's like a bomber placement course. You need yeah. to be able to throw far, but also throw to specific landing zones mm-hmm. for the best angle into green approach. Uh Last year, we had a pretty epic finish with Paul McBeth and Calvin Heimberg going to a playoff on hole one and Calvin yep. literally placing it underneath the basket. Yeah, T-pad, T-pad gate uh, 1.0. Remind me. So uh, when Paul went to throw his, his foot oh, kind of buckled a, under, under the T-pad. It was a turf pad on yeah. top of a oh, cement T-pad, right? I think it was wood underneath. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Now that was the first. Yeah, I remember there was a couple of those last year. Just a little bit. Sketch. Yeah, a little bit of this needs to be improved. Yeah. Um. Sweet. So that's our recap. That's the uh, upcoming tournament. Uh, do you want to transition us into our dealer's choice? Yeah, it's news and notes. News and notes over. Dealer's choice, let's go. Also, I heard a couple times on MPO coverage, Paul Ulibarri and Jeremy Colling say, you know, it's just a dealer's choice right here of what you want to do. And I was like, hey, be careful. Don't don't steal our trademark there. Yeah, I don't think I'm – I'm not savvy enough to – put that into our YouTube videos and, or figure out how to copyright that as intellectual yeah. property. So yeah, Bentley, my brother, if you get into a uh, patent law, you need to help <laughs> us out. All right. Yes, for sure. Um, okay. So my dealer's choice, I was thinking about it yesterday, walking my dog okay. and thinking about the course, because I, I honestly, I love WR Jackson. Like, I think it's, it's iconic. It has history. It is very, very challenging. You have to hit specific lines on angles, get the disc to turn certain ways. And there's lots of trees. Like even if you have a good drive, you still might not have a clean look to the basket if it's not a great drive. Right. Yep. So it does play towards a player like Isaac Robinson, who throws clean backhands specific to landing zones. Like, you need distance, but you don't need crazy distance. You need you need more control than you do distance or even shot shaping. Like you need to be able to shape certain shots, but you only need probably like five or six shot shapes on that course, right? Yeah. And that tournament is the Champions Cup at the same course every year, right? Yes. W.R. Yes. Jackson. Mm-hmm. But then Worlds changes every year yes so worlds we're going to uh smugglers notch this year next year it's going to lynchburg last year it was in emporia the year before that it was in uh ogden utah yes so worlds is changing all the time wr jackson's staying the same usdgc is staying the same mm-hmm. so we have a couple majors in certain spots and then other majors in different spots, right? Yep. My question is, should the majors remain at the same courses every year? Should they all change? Or should there be a rotation of courses that they fall under? Hmm. Um, well, first I want... European Open is also always at the same course, correct? It has changed in the past. Okay. Okay. It's changed between two, two courses over there. Two or three. Okay. okay. Um, I think as long as Worlds keeps changing, I'm fine with it staying at the same course. Um, 
Uh, same course. That's um, I think it would be cool to have it kind of like alternate two years one course, two years another. Um, but I think having it. So in my head, I'm thinking of something like tennis, the tennis majors. You have mm -hmm. two hard court, one tur, uh, one grass, Wimbledon, and one clay, French. Yeah. Certain players play and perform better on certain surfaces. You have USDGC that's pretty open, like fairways and everything, but very tight with OB, a lot of out of bounds, and you mm -hmm. have to hit your shot. But you know what to expect. They right. can make some changes to make it more difficult, um, kind of all that jazz, but you know what to expect and players can practice to perform on there. W.R. Jackson, it's in the woods. It's tight. You have to be able to control your disc in in its entirety. You can't just rely on overstable discs fighting the whole time and right. just pure power. Like you can't, you can't you really... You more finesse. You cannot overpowered wr jackson um and so i you have a more open you have a more wooded control and i think worlds needs to combine both of those so that you have different you have worlds should encompass the entirety of the best disc golfer over the week weekend that it's that's being played um i don't want I, I don't want woods to be or worlds to be four rounds on a golf course i don't want it to be four rounds in the woods mm -hmm. i want it to be a mixture i want people to have to hit turnover backhands i want to hit, have to throw a few forehands i want them to maybe even throw in some rollers like all these i want to see every single shot being utilized for worlds and I am totally fine with a certain play style succeeding and like excelling at these other majors. So I am on the opposite side of you then. Okay. Because when thinking about this course, you're going to get the same players succeeding at this course. And yes, you can make the argument that, yeah, they're better players at this course. They are the ones who are excelling, and the players that suck at that course, they need to get better, right? Like, you can obviously make that argument. But I think with the, the fact that disc golf is still early enough in its progression, mm -hmm. right? We're still growing as a sport. Nobody's expecting us to be fully grown at everything has to be this way by this time period, right? Like it, it, it is what it is and we're, we're growing and learning and there are definitely growing pains, but I think there's the opportunity to have like a rotation with top tier courses that aren't going to get the same uh, tournaments coming through them every year. We have like Jonesboro Open and Ida Wild and DDO. Those are all at the same courses every year. And those ones each have two courses on them. No, except Jonesboro only has one. Yeah. But the other courses, they have two courses for the tournaments that are four rounds. And I think that's great. And I think you should potentially do that for majors. You should have, if not rotating between two courses, have one year at uh, W.R. Jackson, the next year at Hornet's Nest, right? We technically have taken away the DGPT championships from Hornet's Nest in Charlotte. But then like this last tournament, the Blue Ridge Championships or whatever, like that could be a DGPT, like that course could develop. Like we're building up courses now that are becoming more and more like we need some prestige to kind of follow these courses. And I think if there's a rotation, like we know worlds is going to go from location a to B to C to D. And then again, a, B, C, D, and it's going to keep going through like these cycles. And there's two courses for each tournament every year. 
I think there's enough across the spectrum that you're going to get different winners at every course, but you're also going to play to a higher level of competition to where more players are going to be competing for that top spot. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I just think that would be really cool to see. And it would make it one of those things where, oh yeah, do you remember when Isaac Robinson went off at WR Jackson? I wonder if he can do that this year at, uh, what am I thinking of? Hornet's Nest, right? You know, yeah. I just think it would be cool to just not copy and paste every year, but have building momentum, creating more and more prestige to the to the courses and to the sport. I see that. And I definitely like the idea of the rotating and having those those top 10 ranked courses in the country getting their shot at being a major. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it is a good way to for different communities to be able to showcase the work they are doing on these courses by hosting a big tournament and having the pros come and play them. Um, I will also challenge, so golf, regular golf now, they have four majors as well. Mm -hmm. do, do you know what they are? U.S. Open, British yeah. Open, Masters, and help me. I, I think it's not the PGA Championship. I don't think that's technically but anyways, a major. So, so it's kind of like disc golf where it has it's, it's just like four this, majors it's, and... it's like disc golf. Yeah. What what major has holds the most prestige? The Masters. The Masters. It's at, it's at Augusta. Which in is Georgia. which has been there for 50 80 years. Correct. Right. The thing that it has done is by being at the same course you still get kind of different players winning. But it's the same course. And you build prestige over having the consistency of mm -hmm. ex and the expectations that it's going to be here every yeah. year. Um, and I, feel I like agree, but I don't think that WR Jackson is the master to that, to that level to Augusta National. Yeah. Meaning that's, that's fair. Cell coverage there's not great. No. So tournament coverage, live broadcasting coverage is not as great. Uh spectating hole 18, I thought that was great to have some like grandstands, not grandstands, have some bleachers. Yeah. Mini stands, not grandstands, uh medium stands, we'll call them <laughs> on 18. I think that's great. If you'll have viewership on the last hole, just like kind of at um at worlds in utah yeah and the world's on hole 18 like i thought that was great like i think we need to have more of that across more courses just in general yeah but there wasn't a lot of viewers that were available to follow the lead card no that's true and if we want to build this thing to be like hey every year like i want to go to augusta i want to go follow the masters when it happens like there's hundreds of thousands of people Okay, maybe not. There's thousands of people that can actually go to the tournament and follow it. Yeah. Whereas WR Jackson is not that. So like, yes, we could have one course for it, but based on where we're at in disc golf today, I think we need to explore the other courses until we kind of find this is the best option and yeah. we're not going to get any better than this. Like mm -hmm. we've, we've not necessarily peaked, but we've hit a ceiling that no other course comes close to then boom, we can turn that into a Masters-esque yeah. tournament. Which I think is what USDGC has done. Like, Correct. They're, they're the ones that shouldn't. Yes, move. and also because Innova never will let them. And that's a that's a different discussion in and of itself. Yeah, but... But yeah, USDGC yeah. is more of our Masters. Yeah, for sure. Whereas like the US Open rotates, the British Open rotates. Yeah. Is there one that's always at St Andrews, or is that no. one of the, that's one of the British Open? It's one of the British Open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Fun fact: my dad, brother, uncle, and I got to play Carnoustie, 
which was the British Open in 2018. Nice. And we played it in April, and the tournament <laughs> was in July. Sick. And so they were like setting up the grandstands, and the, these are literal grandstands. Oh like, yeah, they're massive, huge. huge bleachers. And they told us that they weren't cutting the rough on the side of the fairways. Until and it was already July. tough enough. Yeah. It was already tough enough, like where we were playing it and they yeah. hadn't cut it in like two weeks. Yeah. And we're like, oh, this is intense. So I got to play that course the year of the British Open. That's awesome. And it, I shot an 81 and felt like I shot under par, like one of the best rounds of my life. Oh, yeah. And, I shot, sure. and I shot an 81. And I was so stoked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's a fun fact. But yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Maybe a little bit heavier discussion than we uh, are normally accustomed to on Dealer's Choice. Yeah. But, but we I went, think it's, we went faster on a review, so we're good. I think we're excited about the growth of the sport, and yeah. this is a, a major, so it carries more weight. For sure. And I think awesome. we need to keep pushing that boundary, pushing the limits. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. That's the thing. I don't think we have found the best of the best yet mm -hmm. so if you kind of back yourself into the corner of only being at three courses for your four majors you're not allowing disc golf to grow yeah so cool all right in the bag in our, the bag baby our favorite segment because it changes every single week Let's go. I know. All right. So uh, for people that are mid ranges, mid ranges and distance drivers and putters have already changed since. Yeah. yeah. I went through those in the bags, but we will do a full bag recap in two weeks. Something like that. Probably. I mean, we might want to wait a little bit closer um, till you are a little bit more solidified on your choices, yeah. but we'll be able to do it. Um, do you want to let the listeners and or viewers know kind of why we are going um, slot by slot in your your bag. Like what what what's what's the importance of what's in your bag right now? Yeah, so we're specifically looking at my bag and how we're building my bag for USAMs in Detroit or outside of Detroit, Michigan, in the beginning of June. So we are building and prepping. For this, it's the biggest major for amateurs. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's in the world. It might be. Probably. I don't know what else would be bigger, but. Like there's a, the Finnish Open is pretty big. But yeah, anyways, this is the U.S. Amateur National Championships. Yep. What course is it at? Pretty big deal. At the Toboggan, yep. which is uh, a somewhat it's not bombers course, but you need 500 feet of distance to succeed at this course yeah. in the top pro level. Yeah. I only got about 380. I'm feeling comfortable actually pushing 380 fairly consistent consistently now, which is pretty nice. exciting for me. Nice. Yeah. But I only got 380. So I'm about 120 feet short of <laughs> being able to actually birdie a majority of these holes or having yeah. the, ability to birdie these but anyways sidetrack cool. sorry no we're building the bag we looked at we first looked at mid ranges yep and then we went to distance drivers then we went to putters last week mm -hmm. and now we are at fairway drivers yep putting approach last week and now we're at fairways so i personally class like to have in my bag seven speeds and nine speeds. Okay. And I consider like it's almost backwards in my mind because my fairway drivers are my, my nine speeds, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm like throwing in the fair or like off the tee. If I'm not hitting, it's, I guess they're like woods, yeah. right? Like a three wood, a three wood or a five hybrid. wood compared yeah. to a driver. Yeah. Yeah. That's like what a nine speed is. And then like a, a long iron is like a, like a seven speed fairway driver. Yeah. But I kind of use my fairway drivers, the seven speed. 
as a control driver because I'm throwing those shots to get more control, to get more distance in a mid-range, but to get more control than a nine speed. And I'm throwing my nine speeds to get pretty good distance, but not pushing max distance. Yeah. A little bit more like so shot shaping with the nine speeds mm-hmm. compared to the like drivers, you're mostly just going full distance and reaching that max distance potential. Your yes. nine speed, you are controlling the entirety of the flight or more or less um like shaping the shot all the way to the ground through like through the entirety of the shot instead of just trying to get 400 like trying to shoot for 400 feet type of type of deal correct yeah Yeah. cool so starting with seven speeds historically i've been a maverick thrower Mm -hmm. which i again disclaimer i play disc golf in colorado at six thousand feet of elevation detroit is 600 feet of elevation so i am losing a lot in terms of stability going down to the toboggan that being said there is like lots of undulation is that the right word i think so lots of elevation changes at the toboggan yeah yeah so like not elevation change in terms of 6,000 to 600, but like you're throwing down a hill that's super steep downhill, but then other holes you're throwing up hills, right? It's a sledding facility in the winter. Yep. So you do need uh, some variance in stabilities, even at lower elevation. So my Mavericks are what work for me up here in Colorado. But moving down to elevation, I felt like I needed something more stable than my Mavericks, yep. but that could provide me similar distance and similar control and confidence. Yep. And I've landed on the Discmania FD. Awesome. So I have two of them. I have the new S line FD at 173 grams. And this is a flippier version. If I throw it with Heiser, it'll flip up and get a slight turn and fade. Up here at elevation, that is. And if I throw it flat, I'll get a lot more turn and fade. But I can also throw it with a lot of hyzer and kind of just get it to slowly stand up, but get a good amount of fade to it. So this nice. disc has been really great. Nice. I like, was truly impressed with it. And I like the feel of it. Plastic feels good. And I've thrown it against some rocks and it's still pretty durable. So good. it's pretty good, solid. Good. And then shout out to our boy Connor coming out to uh usam's with us i uh, got this color glow c-line fd from him Are the, were those from and the, this one what were those like a mystery box this year right yeah these were uh end of 2022 mystery boxes okay yeah so thank those you are, connor those are, those are for, sweet looking for trading me this guy the glow is not great but the plastic feels great That's uh, all that matters. and this is just a touch more stable than the S line FD. So I will probably lean on this a lot more at the toboggan, whereas the S line FD will be more for like hyzer flip, like steep hyzer flips or like uphill shots yeah. where I need to need to have less stability to be able to climb that. Advance it. Yeah. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So those are my seven speeds. I've got a another um, metal flake C line FD on its way that I traded with the guy and I think that should be a more stable version so I'll test yeah. that in in Michigan to see if it is any more stable cool before we move on to the so, uh, nines have you are, are you interested at all in getting checking out the FD1 that is coming out I am very interested okay. in testing that out it might be way too stable for me here in Colorado yeah I'm also going to compare it to just like a C-line FD because I know those are like pretty darn stable. Yeah. Uh, but I, I definitely will be testing out and or looking into the FD1, which is similar to the FD2 from the old Discmania end of a mold. And it's a 7402. Cool. So a T-Bird-esque disc yeah. with less glide, nice. but more stability probably. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, and moving to my nine speeds, which 
uh, for those of you who have played with me or know my bag at all, my nine speeds are kind of my jam. It's the area I have a lot of confidence in and that feel best in my hand. And I love throwing them. So I've got, and this has been a, a point of a lot of debate, which is why this is the last section that we're going through for my in the bag. Uh, but I throw escapes up here in Colorado. So the dynamic discs escape. I have usually multiple of them in the bag. I've got a, a what is it? Lucid air one that's lighter weight to try to be more understable for me. I've got beat in biofusions and fusion bursts. I've got a Supreme escape. I've, I've got brand new fusion. You, you have got, every single plastic that it comes in. I'm pretty sure. I don't actually, which is kind of the crazy thing, but I'm close to, to all the plastics. Anyways, I love the escape. It's a, it's flight numbers are nine, five, negative one, two generally to, yeah. you know, kind of varies across the mold or across the plastic. But I have settled on the escape being my option and just sticking to the escape. I love mold mineralization. That's why I'm only throwing the FD, maybe the FD one, but I'm sticking to the escape. So I have this fusion burst one, which is my least stable option that I'm going to bag. This one was Heiser flipped to turning similar to the S line FD. Like that, it's it's that kind of shot. This thing is very well seasoned. Uh, I don't think I got this one from you. No, I right. gave you the blue one, and it's stamped. Blue. It is white. Yeah, I yeah. I gave you the blue one, and then you gave me the blue one back. Yeah. So I'm going with with that FD, and then kind of my workhorse FD or not FD escape is this purple biofusion escape. This one is seasoned a little bit but for some reason it's more stable than nice. my fusion burst and this one goes very straight and fades so at low elevation i imagine it'll be hyzer flipped to very straight mm -hmm. or just flat and getting a little bit more turn but i imagine i will be leaning on this a lot for you know i just need to make sure i'm in the fairway and i want to throw 360 i'm just yeah. going to grab this and throw this nice yeah. So, and then my stable option, instead of going up to like a Thunderbird or something that's more stable, I'm going with the Supreme Escape, which is molded to be actually more overstable in the Supreme run or line that they have. Cool. And this one, I feel like I can throw on any line good amounts of hyzer and it's always going to hyzer and i can throw it flat and it's going to go pretty straight but get a lot of fade still but i i feel confident just sticking to the one mold and throwing with more hyzer as needed yeah nice questions or comments no it's good i mean i've thrown the escape down here in colorado in um, california um and it has enough stability and if you're needing a little bit more stability i feel like it's not out of the question to just move up to your driver um mm -hmm. and that's like your control fairway and your nine speed is not necessarily more touchy in its flight but you can throw you're not trying to just like overpower something and getting it to hyzer out you are hitting very specific lines you'll be able to get your angle like set your angle early and i i think as it did like as i'm not throwing these 100 percent power no you're not throwing 100 percent power if the wind picks up we might get into an issue but i think that's there's other things you can add and you will probably have them with you to compensate for that um but i think too often in our heads do we think oh this disc is not stable enough for me but it's because we're just throwing it wrong like these discs are plenty of stable enough to be thrown correctly 
and get the desired flight out of them. Um, there's no reason to think, oh, this negative one, two, supreme escape, just because I, like, I can't have poor form, off-axis torque, and still expect it to hyzer out. Like, you're going to have to yeah. hit a, a pure golf shot, which is what you do really, really well. Like, you have that nice form. You don't have jerky, full power, like, out of control form. You you are good at throwing it how the disc is intended to fly, which is good. Well, thank you. I wasn't wasn't fishing for a compliment, asking for your thoughts, but I do appreciate I know, that. I know, I know. Um, so if the, you know, if I do feel mentally like I need a little more stability than the escape, yep. I do have confidence that I can lean on good old Bluey right here, which is my Discmania Color Glow C-Line FD3 Innova molded. Uh, and this is one of my, if not my favorite disc of all time. Yep. And it primarily was a forehand disc. This one is so beat up that to forehand it now, I have to give it a good amount of hyzer and it'll flip up and I'll actually get some turn, mm -hmm. but it'll still fade. If I give it hyzer, if I throw it flat, it's going to be turning the whole way and maybe fade at the end. Um, actually, yeah, it's still going to fade at the end because it's an FT3. But it's going to get a lot of turn if I just forehand it flat. Yeah. But throwing backhand, I feel like I can throw this flat and get just that stronger fade than the Supreme Escape. Yeah. So I feel like if I need to throw backhand more or if I need something more stable than the Supreme Escape, I can step up to the FD3 and throw it confidently. And I've been working on throwing these backhand, not just forehand. Nice. Good. So that's Bluey. I uh, will probably forehand it at low elevation, but again, it would be that I need to get a good amount of forehand distance, but I have to hit a gap and I need, I'll throw this on a lot of hyzer and let it slowly stand up and go straight. Yeah. So that's where I'm planning on using this. But again, if not, I do have a backup. Uh, pink color glow FD3 that is Newer. slightly more stable than, than good old bluey here and even more stable than this pink one right here is an orange sea uh, line color glow FD3 Nice. and this one is, is fairly brand new doesn't have too much usage on it so it's definitely nice and stable but it's not too stable like I still get a ton of distance with this forehand. Yeah. Nice. So, Perfect. So I'll probably lean on this one a lot at the toboggan. Actually, I don't even know if I'm throwing a lot of forehands. We'll see. My yeah. idea is that I will be leaning on this a lot for just forehand smooth shots that I need to go 360 straight and then fade at the end of it. Yeah. Or get a little turn if I throw it on some Annie kind of thing. Perfect. And then stepping up from that is potentially the last nine speed in the bag. And that is the Doombird 4, mm -hmm. which is the Discmania Horizon FD3. Horizon's the plastic. Doombird 4 is the signature run from Simon Lazat before he left Discmania. Yeah. All right. RIP, uh, Simon. Yeah. Good boy, Simon. Um, no, I picked up. Uh, three of these just because I love the FD3. And this yep. is a way more stable version than the Color Glow FD3s, but more glide than just like your stock uh, Metal Flake C-Line FD3s, which I do yeah. have. Yeah. Do have multiple of those. I thought about also bagging this, which depending on how much space I have in my bag, I very well could. But yeah. these get not as much glide as this fd3 yeah and i feel like if i if i want less glide i'll just throw this the uh doombird 4 with less power yeah for sure but yeah i can mash on it pretty good uh get you know get some annie on it and it'll 
flex out really hard, but also I can just throw it flat or with hyzer and it's just going to get a bigger fade to it. But I just have a lot of confidence with this disc right now and it's been really good for me. So, yeah, yeah. I know, I know you had, I remember the kind of the week you got it, you had a tournament that weekend. You Mm -hmm. relied on it a lot. You threw it a lot and you were very happy with it. So I think it's good to have, it's always good to have that overstable disc, no matter what elevation you're at. Um, I mean, there's a reason the felon, the Raptor, the, um, firebird the firebird like all those discs are in pros bags because they do the same thing every single time you throw it um and that's what the 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 doom doom bird is going to be for you is doing the same thing no matter what angle you put on it and being that horizon plastic instead of this the metal flake one you are going to get that little extra 20 to 30 plus feet of distance um, in carry in its flight as opposed to just dumping out um, super early, which at this mm-hmm. pro, pro tour course, you're going to need and want all the extra distance that you you can get um, while still being able to control where it's landing. Right. Yeah. Part of my, like, I love nine speeds. And I throw them a lot here at Colorado. I throw them a lot on wooded courses because that's where they kind of shine is in you need more control than a distance driver. You need a lot of distance, but you don't need to try to get your full max distance on it. And so that's where it kind of shines in the woods. Whereas the toboggan is not really that wooded course. It's it's more open. Yeah. You hit landing zones. Yeah. You play through woods, but I wouldn't say you're like playing in the woods, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what course on tour it's, it's, I guess it's a little bit comparable to Jonesboro where they're playing this week. Yeah. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you say so? I could see that a lot of type of. Like you need, you need a lot of distance. You lot need, of distance. There's elevation change. You need to make landing zones. Yeah, but like the actual shot itself, and the bombers is not overly difficult. Correct. Yeah, and the bombers typically do well at these courses because they have more opportunities for birdies because they can actually reach the holes in regulation. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Cool. Uh, the only disc that might have a chance of making. The nine speed section that's not currently in here is the Discmania CD1, which is coming out. And it's coming out in the C line plastic, which is just more overstable. Yeah. It's technically the same flight numbers as the Escape, but definitely more stable than yeah. an Escape. Probably will be. And especially with the C line one, it's definitely going to be more overstable. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to grab one of those and test it out as well. But cool. that's. Again, I'm, I'm bringing multiple discs that kind of fit slots where if I do get to low elevation and I'm not confident with my stabilities or with what I'm getting out of my shots, I have discs that I can bring and throw in there. And that's one of them. Yeah. Whereas I was kind of moving towards a Thunderbird, but really Thunderbird flies just like my Supreme Escape. So. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So you have your discs. We've gone over your whole bag. What are you going to be working on kind of this upcoming week? Is there anything in particular? So this week I am little spoiler. Uh, don't spoil. Well, non-spoiler alert. Spoil. But I'm working on putting. Don't spoil yet. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. I'm working on putting because I want to get comfortable with my putters and yep. I want to build some confidence, which I've got a lot of, uh, early current confidence right now, but I want to make sure that's not just a honeymoon phase. And I want to make sure I'm, uh, my form is consistent and that's where I've been struggling lately is I'm overthinking it. Yeah. And so right now I'm just trying to get to just like, I'm not thinking I'm kind of just playing catch with the basket and I'm just spinning it straight at the basket Yeah. with my putter. So that's, that's what I've been, uh, currently working on in the last few days. Nice. But also one of the things that I, 
am actively practicing and planning on practicing this week are upshots from 150 feet and in because there will be many holes where say it's a par of three 480 feet and or you're, you're gonna be yeah, that 480 feet downhill i'll be throwing 360 confidently because there's no reason i need to try to push to 400 because i'm not gonna get 480 yeah so i'll get to 360 and i'll still need 120 feet in towards the basket and so I want to be able to throw both backhand inner cores and forehand zones or forehand pigs to inside the bullseye to leave myself stress-free shots. Easy putts. Yeah. But what sure. I'm practicing is getting those shots on slants or slopes, both uphill and downhill, because there's lots of slope change at this course. So I'm kind of wanting to play with throwing those you know, approach shots on uphill and downhill, nice. which thankfully high school uh, that we live next to, they've got baskets and three of them are on slopes. So Perfect. I get, I have a little bit of a practice area for that. Awesome. That's a cool little. That's all. That's all we're practicing. 150 to 90 feet. Nice. Awesome. Anything you're working on right now, Mr. Harris? Um, I'm working on my approach shots as well. Um, I, that hundred to one fifty where it's a touchy back, I feel super confident attacking those shots forehanded. Um, I have, I have the disc that do it. I can look at my target the whole time and all I change is how far back I bring my arm and it's the wrist flick is the same. Like that's where I get all the power from. Um, I'm yeah. working on the like slow nose up lofty spinny backhand approach shot that will land flat and light. Um, and putting. I I am switching my putters as well. I think we might've talked about it. I know you and I have, but I don't know if I talked on the, um, I'm using the PA threes, um, and the PA bricks. I mean, yep, the PA bricks, and they are hitting a lot of chains for me. I feel confident with them. I've had one competitive round under my belt uh, with them. Good. They perform. They performed well. So that's what I'm be working on is putting under pressure because everyone needs to do it and. I'm done with school next week, so I'm gonna be able to hit up. Let's go. Um, some some of the local weeklies get out there and try boost my rating up a little bit. Get get to throw. Do your your weeklies shots. count towards your rating? Yeah, I think so. I don't. Oh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm. I think so. It depends if the guy who's running it like inputs them, but. They've been they've been rated before, so I it just it just depends. But Sick. yeah. Yeah. Well the two things that I'm gonna leave for you is practice throwing your inner cores on those touchy backhand up shots. Yep. Because they just are nice and floaty. You don't have to give them as much power. Yeah. It makes it very easy for you. And then also to try to uh run some like 75 to 50 foot putts with the inner core as well. Yeah. Just getting nice glide, just spinning it at the basket. That's where uh, I was having a little bit of, of, I don't want to say luck, but a little bit of luck. Uh, success. Yeah. The last, the last, yeah, maybe success. The yeah. last couple of times went, went playing. So perfect. So that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to do it for the comments. Episode. Leave them down below. Let me yeah. know what discs I'm missing in my bag or yeah. what discs I should be adding to my bag that you think would be super helpful for the toboggan. Open yeah. to suggestions, even though I'm a stubborn guy. Or what I, your uh, or what your favorite we, nine speeds are. What are your favorite fairways that you yeah. like to rely on? Yeah. Let's do that. That's a much better question. Yeah. Much better question. So, so let us know in the comments. Uh like, subscribe, share. Uh, we're trying to grow. Share, I think please. we have 
a few exciting guests lined up some exciting news i think we're gonna be the pioneers of future drops so i'm excited for that let's go so we're uh let's just say there's some things that are in the works moving towards usams that are very exciting and not just exciting for us but for you the audience so yeah so all right lefties out